I just am so uh, glad that you survived uh, Mexico City. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. It was a uh, it was a nutty scene, man. Uh, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy the way that all went down, but I felt like it was in the air a little bit. Um, as the flights were going on, so I felt a little more prepared, maybe, than some of the people around me. So I was like, something, something weird is going to happen here, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, good instinct. <laughs> I, I, I was uh, there was no footage of you under a table, though. You, like you were just, uh, you were just kind of there ringside doing your thing and just kind of eyeballing it, right? Yeah, that was hilarious, man. Because first of all. I mean, it didn't get to the point where you thought you needed to get undercover like that. Like, I, I thought that was hilarious when I saw that. I only saw that, like, days later after I was back in the States and all that. But I was like, that was a little extreme. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it made for good good social content. But um, <laughs> Exactly. <clears throat> well, so, you know, we'll get started now and everything if we're not sort of already. We don't really formulate this thing too much. But first, you know, and I, I know that Joe feels the same, but it's a super honor to have you. And, and you're really, you know, um, you know, somebody that, that, that means a lot in the MMA sort of a sphere. And, uh, you know, I think that we've probably given you enough shout outs to where you might actually believe it, but, um, (laughs) but it's, it's really, it's, it means a lot for you to take the time. I know you just got back in town probably and, and are, you know, trying to get the, uh, you know, the, the, the dents out of your head from beer cans or whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's great to be on, man. Uh, you guys, I, I've checked out a couple of your uh, of the podcast, the previous podcast, man, and I, I like what you guys are doing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing and it's a needed thing. You know what I mean? I like people who kind of think things through in the fight game a little more. Well, we appreciate that. Like we're we're definitely, uh, you know, like they, they when you if you look up anything about how to have a successful podcast, they're always talking about you got to find your niche, and like we can't get much more right. nichey than what we're trying to do over here. So yeah, so it's, well, it's right up my alley, man. So yeah. I'll take, I, I like that. So yeah, well, <laughs> me it. too. And that's I mean that's one of the things that we have always liked about your coverage as well is that it's not just like hot take, uh, you know, or over unders. You know what I mean? I I really uh, I think you. Know, you've got a deeper perspective on a lot of things. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who love the combat sport aspect of the UFC and of MMA in general, but I think there's other people who love like the martial arts aspect and the, the bigger ramifications of this in terms of, you know, what it means beyond just like whether or not you can land the counter hook. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, the game is so, the game is so literal and it's so nuanced that, you know, I, from the get-go, I always felt like you needed to have a a little bit of depth. You know what I mean? If you were going to try to write about it, you had to kind of cover a lot of ground. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think you're always kind of going inward, too, because you, you watch this sport long enough, you you do question at times, like, well, why why do I watch this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like it becomes, it becomes introspective at some point, too. Yeah. So yeah, I think as long as you're, you know, you're putting all of that out there, and, and communicating all of that and the writing or the coverage, um, you'll, you'll be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Can you tell like uh, people who might not be, you know, we've got a lot of people who listen to this who are like painters who don't even watch any combat sports, let alone the UFC or people who cover or, you know, read the kind of coverage that you, that you do. Can you tell people a little bit about how you got involved in writing about MMA in the first place? Because, you know, you're, you're basically, your career has sort of, you know, followed the path of the rise of the whole sport. Yeah, I mean, I uh, like like some like a lot of people who kind of get into MMA specifically. 
I had been more of a casual or peripheral fan. Like I'd caught it. You kind of knew the names, like you know, uh, you know, BJ Penn or stuff like that. Guys like that back in the day. Right. Chuck Liddell. Like those guys. I'm watching them. I'd be, you know, I'd be talking to my brother-in-law specifically, who was, you know, way more into it than I was, and he'd be like. Telling you know, hey, you got to come check out this uh, this fight that's coming up, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it, it started off like that. I just was watching peripherally, and uh, I have to say, like, man, I I always liked it. I always liked it, but I was already doing. I was an editor, and uh, I was an editor of a newspaper in Southern California, an alternative news weekly called the IE Weekly at the time. Cool. And uh, yeah, I was doing that, man, and I was way more into the arts. Like, so I understand that you know all that stuff. Like, I was. I was covering music and covering, you know, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that, different things. And uh, I, just to, to make a long story short, I there was a couple of fighters in the area where I was uh, editing that paper. And uh, one of them was Dan Henderson, who was getting set to fight Rampage Jackson. I think it was UFC 76 or 77. Man. One of those two. Yeah. So I mean I mean not not like super early. It wasn't like UFC one, although right. I was living in Denver at the time, which sure. is crazy. I knew it was happening UFC one, I just that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but so so you know, I was at the paper and Dan Henderson was getting set to the to fight Rampage, who was also on kind of our uh you know, on the border of our coverage uh-huh. uh, area. So it was kinda like the civil war between these two Southern California entities and I was like, Ooh, I should uh you know, I should pay more attention to this, and uh-huh. I did. I, I think I wrote, like, maybe a piece or two about that just in our, our little, you know, alternative news weekly. Yeah. But then Dan Henderson fought for the middleweight title against Anderson Silva, and that's really when I got involved because I, I Dan Henderson, having, uh, you know, having kind of followed him the previous fight, I was like, I'm going to go full-fledged and do, like, a big cover story on this. So. I basically followed him his whole camp up in Big Bear, out in Temecula. You know, all of, uh, followed him around, and then went wow. to Columbus, Ohio, with him and did that piece. He lost. You know, I, I'm sure you guys, uh, if you're fans, you probably remember the fight. But he uh, he lost the fight, but it was um, at the time Spider. You know, was like this boogeyman in the division who no was doubt. you know like one of the greats. You know, like he was he was casting <laughs> fear on everybody. So. Like when he it was supposed he was supposed to lose uh, Henderson was so I was able to kind of write it and uh, that's how I got started man I did that cover story I, I really then at that point was kind of hooked like really hooked into paying attention to everything going on mm-hmm. in MMA and uh, yeah that first piece kind of caught on and uh, off off I went <laughs> it just kind of took off from there man yeah, yeah. so one of the things I th- you actually just alluded to something I think that is. Um, uh, really powerful about what you do that I think kind of separates um, your your writing and your approach from from maybe a lot. And I understand that like a lot of these writers that are writing for various uh, outlets are probably hamstrung uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, so it's not necessarily a mark um, on them for for not uh, say digging into the to the levels perhaps that that you do. But at the same time. I feel like that even when perhaps you, you know, I'm guessing here and I'm not trying to like scratch anything, but I would imagine that like at the athletic, you're probably a little bit more uh, open in in an open territory than perhaps uh, with MMA fighting. Um, But at the same time, even in that sort of, you know, uh, slightly caged 
perhaps slightly more clickbait oriented, uh, you know, click driven, um, you know, publication mentality. I feel like that what you've always been able to do that, that really resonates with me is actually quite fundamental to the notion of storytelling, like go down to the basics, like Joseph Campbell, you know, hero's journey, um, and, and really yeah. the, the building you, you have a really, uh, special way, I think of, of world building that actually allows for just about anybody to funnel or find their way into a story and clearly understand, you know, who's the protagonist and what are the challenges and what are the goals and just some of that sort of, you know, basic sort of storytelling 101 type of things. I feel like a lot of people brush right past that. And a lot of the content that you see um, really doesn't afford uh, for that, that sort of world building, which I, I believe has an impact on uh, uh, overall sort of readership and, and, and deeper interest within the MMA sphere. Well, I'm happy to hear you say that, man, because honestly, I, I think that that was an early mission that has never left me. Like, I had certain um, ideas. I, I there, there, There's a lot to it, what you're saying there, man, and I agree with everything, fundamentally. I agree with everything you just said. I, You know, I went through a phase in my own trajectory where I went to ESPN, which was a big deal for me um, when I moved to the East Coast um, after the IE Weekly. I started doing stuff for ESPN for about three years. I worked at ESPN doing columns, and, and through that, I... There was a there was a guy named Jake Rawson before me who was a sure dog writer who um, I always liked his stuff because I felt like it was irreverent. It wasn't you know it was clearly not in the best interest of the fighters. It had nothing to do with the promotion. It was just a guy giving his version of what was going on, and I saw his version as somewhat of the truth, you know. And I was I, I when I started his fan, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to take the baton because I I'd, I'd grown up reading, you know, man, like all the great boxing chroniclers and. Um, storytellers so it was very important to me if i was going to make a segue very specifically into covering a sport like mma or any sport that i was doing exactly that that i was giving it a um full respect you know but treating it with the the gravity that it deserves but more importantly the levity that it deserves because it's an absurd thing you know like mm. and so when i when i was getting into it and i <laughs> i went to espn it was just i was immediately like okay I'd already let me just preface this. I was already doing like cover stories for Fight Magazine, which uh, was like a glossy magazine at the time from about 2008 to 2010. So I, I had done like 15 of these, and each one of them I'd go out, meet a subject, whatever city they were in, and I would do like you know a basic, in-depth profile on these fighters, very specific about who they are, and I kind of obsessed with, you know, finding the thing that. You know, you know, just finding the thing that humanized them, the finding the thing that made them, uh, you know, their whatever their idiosyncrasies were, whatever they were, you know, and with the backdrop always being that they're this fighter, they get in the cage, you know what I mean? Like I, I thought that that was just so cool to cover these guys that way, and so when I went to ESPN, I, uh, I, I was like, I will never ever, you know, be one of those guys who just touches on things, you know, the surface kind of clickbaity crap that goes on. I, I always wanted to have substance to everything I wrote. And so I established myself essentially through ESPN as a kind of columnist, I guess, you know, um, mm -hmm. through those three years I was there. And that's really where the whole reputation it was right during the boom, you know, like of MMA and all that. So that's where the reputation, I think, of the writing you know, and the quality of writing and all that stuff was established. And I was very, very thankful to get that opportunity to ESPN. And uh, right when it was still kind of emerging, um, so it was like it, it, everything kind of played in very nicely for me. But 
to this day, man, like what you're saying, I've I've kept that the whole way. I've never want to do the, mm. you know, the the clickbait stuff. Uh, I won't get into it too deeply, but one of the reasons the athletics seemed like a you know kind of savior to what was going on in this space was that they were not interested in clickbait. They were mm. only interested in writing. They were interested in. Um, you know, the best storytellers and putting them in the same room and just kind of making a page, uh, you know, like a, like an almost like a, a community of the of the best writers yeah. who support that type of thing. And that really appealed to me because, uh, you know, man, even like at MMA fighting, it just uh, I'd run my course and I think it went further and further <laughs> towards mm-hmm. the thing I didn't like yeah. by the time I left. So that's OK, uh, right? So, that's OK. That's how things yeah. go. You know, that's OK. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean that's so it's nice when people tell me that because uh, honestly that has been kind of like the you know the essential thing I've been trying to do this whole way. Yeah, well you know so you know you of course like the the utter sort of uh, <clears throat> lethality of fighting in especially in mixed martial arts um, with the idea also of just the the sort of um, clear bifurcation of characters right it's singular it's not even teams i mean it is teams but you know what i mean ultimately it's about the fighters and uh people locked in a cage um (laughs) with with these you know it's so clear that that what am i getting at what i get what i guess i'm trying to say here is that i wonder if it's it's like you couldn't be in a more rich paved path of obvious sourced storytelling and like all the mechanics and the energy and the consequences and just everything are so clearly there that it's almost like that's what makes a lot of the journalism not so great is because it's all just it's 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 a buffet of of a perfect storytelling menu like you couldn't i don't i can't imagine anything else like the absolute compression of the human experience that lies inside fighting is something that i've tried to articulate just to other people and uh you know i feel like that really you know your your writing voice is is one of the only things i i see that really starts to carry that through but i i, I just wonder sometimes if the the ready-made nature of of the sort of uh implements is almost a problem because it's so profound and so clear yet seemingly so overlooked i know what you're getting at i uh man and it's funny because it is kind of a sport to me it it was like there it can never it can never be boring even with the inundation of you know cards and everything that's been going on over the last few years it can never be truly boring um and it, you know, it just it, it it felt to me, man, as a guy who grew up reading about fighting and understood. I think I always had like a, a psychological, uh, you know, I I fought a little bit as a kid. You know, you get into fights and stuff like that. You understand the obvious literal translation between two guys, you know, trying to dictate their will on each other, um, in that sense. But like in the writing game, I you know, I remember reading uh, the thrill in, about the thrill in the middle of the Ghost of Manila by Mark Cram way back, mm-hmm. and thinking, uh, man, you know, it's possible for the writer to be as big as the event itself. It's possible for the writer to communicate something that is um, equally essential to what Muhammad Ali is, you know, to the, to the magnitude of what he's doing against Joe Frazier in that fight. I thought, you know, when you think of it like that, you know, it, it's almost a responsibility, and if you get good at it, it becomes a a burden. But it's also a good burden, you know what I mean? Like because you go through this process, and I think that, that if if somebody sees my name, 
I'm hoping that the the feeling is okay. This is the this is the piece I want to read to kind of really get a feel for what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I that's been my uh, that's been my goal <laughs> through this whole process, and I think that the sport itself, because of the nature of it, like you said, man, it's a distillation of so much. There's a, you know the, the human you could you could be as poetic as you want without being uh, without being ridiculous in a sport like this because the sport is extreme you know and it goes to every extreme it pushes to such mm-hmm. extremes and every boundary it challenges people like who don't really want to watch it because they you know for whatever reason it challenges you know what's taboo it, it challenge you know what i mean like it, there's so much about it man that you have to kind of peel back and it never it, you never get to the bottom of it i think that that's the greatest thing i'm, I'm as searching as, as the next guy about like you know what it's all about. Ultimately, what's the essence behind all this? But it's like, uh, in the meantime, you know, it's a stream of uh, adjectives and (laughs) fun things to write about. But it never never ceases to kind of um, hit that spot within me, man, that's just really, you know, it just, it feeds that writer side where you just, you want to try to capture what you're seeing. And I, 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 I can't imagine another sport, one of the ball sports or something like that, actually being able to yield that, um, through a decade of coverage. I just, I, I don't think it would do, be the same thing. Yeah. I think, you know, there's just something particular about fighting. And I think in MMAs, especially, I mean, like we're living in a strange age and, and, and people, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, Chuck, but people who aren't millennials basically, you know, won't yeah. be people who grew up in a world where you had things like boxing on TV, but that was pretty much it, you know? And then in early, you know, early ESPN, you started seeing some kickboxing and all sorts of weird things would happen and you'd see some other kinds of sports and pro wrestling, of course, is always on TV, but, but we're, you know, we're, we were coming out of that age where, where the idea of, of like real fighting on TV, like actually seeing people say, no, really, what's the best? Like, how do you fight? Like, how do you, what's the best way to fight? Like, that was a thing that like, when I was in Taekwondo classes, when I was in sixth grade, you know, that was something that you would, you would hear that question, you know, of like, well, is Kung Fu better? Or is this better? You know, every, every Shaw Brothers movie is like my, my master's better than your master, (laughs) you know, but then all of a sudden we're living in this world where it's like, we're going to really get to the bottom of this. And it's so fascinating to see the way it's all played out and like where the sport is now in terms of how it's developed like into like what 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 MMA actually looks like um what yeah. do you, what do you th- where do you think we're going i mean i really thought this weekend was going to provide us with an interesting look at you know uh fighters uh who you know in some way jeremy stevens to me kind of represents a kind of a more fundamental model where yair kind of represented like the maybe the shiny new thing that's going to point the direction to the the new way we and he pointed his finger in the guy's eye and that was the end of it unfortunately yeah. but um, but what do you think, like when you look across the horizon, like what, what, how do you see the sport developing in the future and what, you know, what aspects of it might be the most interesting to you? You know, it's really tough, man, because it, you know, you look back on the way it's gotten, to, you know, even that it's gotten this big, like, I, I'm not sure I would have guessed that it was ever going to get to this, this point. Right. I was at ESPN, man. And there was really no, there was no interest beyond a certain level of ever, associating you know in any real sense with mma i mean yeah the fact that you know from i that was only six years ago uh that i left there like and yeah the fact that in six years later you know you've got espn basically 
behind it bigger than anybody and, and showing those fights is astounding to me. And I almost wonder to to an extent if this is the high watermark of the yeah. of of where it's going because I don't really know how it can get bigger in that sense. Uh-huh. You know, you know, when you when you talk about it you're like you know, is there are there other transcendent figures that can come in and um you know, and kind of do what Ronda Rousey did or do what Conor McGregor did. Are there other figures that they're going to unearth mm-hmm. that will be able to accomplish right. that? Maybe push it into, the, you know, kind of keep it furthering into that space. But at the same time, man, I feel like we're kind of at as, as big as it can get, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels to me. Um, I'm as curious as you probably as to how this plays out. There are times when I really feel like it's waning uh, and I, you know, even before they got this ESPN deal, I kind of had a, I had a feeling and it was more the, it was more the inundation of the cards plus, you know, put together with kind of the, um, you know, the way the stars were kind of leaving the game and there weren't, there weren't any new stars coming up and sure. that's an important aspect of it, obviously. But I, I felt like maybe the thing was ebbing a little bit and we were possibly seeing it fizzle and then they get this espn deal and i'm like yep completely wrong just like i am uh, you know a million times in this sport man like <laughs> yeah every you know? saturday every saturday i'm wrong <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's, very, it's very unpredictable even in those even in that way man but uh i'm happy that it's got here i feel like there's a resurgence i feel like you know that i'm at the athletic probably in large part because espn landed that deal i think the athletic understood that hey you know we need uh, we need to have good MMA coverage because this is a, this is a big deal. I don't know if that happens, you know, if this, uh, if if it remains on Fox or if it doesn't go that way. It's like sure. who knows. But um, I'm kind of you know just like everything. I guess I'm in the moment. Um, I'm in the moment, kind of enjoying it and hoping that it kind of sustains itself at this level uh, as long as it can. Yeah. Hey. So you know, one of the things I think uh, in my sort of participation or consumption of, uh, MMA media that I think has, uh, been interesting is, so I look at it as like, you know, I'm so, for instance, okay, what am I even trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is when I first caught on to like what Ariel Hawani was doing years and years ago, um, I was such a, a champion of, of his, you know, from, from the, from the stands, you know, uh, his whole sort of struggle to get to where he is. And he's clearly obsessed, uh, and hell bent on being sort of this, the Bob Costas of MMA. And he does an incredible job and has earned so much. And I know that you guys are probably pretty tight and everything. Um, but I feel like that what happened though is and maybe it's just like the weird kind of punk rock roots you know that we all kind of have or something where it's like yeah. once things get to a certain point of of finish and flair something gets lost even if all the players and the and everything is kind of the same there's some sort of intangible um that that you know i feel like there's some weird tendency as mma fans to feel like I think part of the, the the essence of the appeal to be on this ride for so long is to feel like, even at this stage, uh, global as it is, you still want to feel like you're sort of part of this kind of underground uh, exper- yeah. experience. And I feel like that what's happened in the media space is, you know, and understandably, people deserve and need to make a living. And 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 as these things permeate the broader culture... I would rather have nothing else than people like that, uh, you know, being the the prism through which people can view that and experience that. But at the same time, you know, people like Joe and I, 
we're, we're just like, uh, I really miss the MMA beat. I really just, I oh. really just, you know, like yeah. th- there was something. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and, and, you know, so I've really enjoyed what you and, and, uh, Sean uh, Shadi are doing, you know, the, uh, the podcast on the athletic, I think is great. Um, but you know, if you're not, uh, you're not here to get criticized, man, but I'm just going to tell you, we want more, right? <laughs> like we, yeah. it's because there's just certain pairings and certain approaches and certain voices that just seem to, to be able to speak to what I'm most about, uh, and interested in. And I feel like that those things are continually sort of uh, a little bit fractured and fragmented. I think the media space right now here, here's actually where I'm, I'm going to head with this, which is I feel like, and maybe you have an insight or a thought on this, but it's like, if you just considered MMA media, the same thing as jazz and look at like the history of jazz, there was like a period in the, in the fifties where uh, things started to kind of rise to a particular amount of prevalence and people were playing bebop and it was understandable and clear. And it, it rose to a, to a particular state status uh, and out of the sort of the bars and into the more elegant jazz clubs and, you know, all of this. And it got more money and, and all of that. But then in the sixties, like shit got real weird, you know, like all of a sudden yeah. Coltrane is channeling, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> channeling us all to the, to the astral plane, right? Like people started to kind of artfully defect from the, the form. And I feel like, MMA media, especially as young as the sport is that it's attached to and reflecting, I feel like in a weird way for MMA media, it's kind of like early, like late fifties or <laughs> early sixties. Like this, 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 I feel like that, yeah. I feel like there's this sort of, um, expansion that could happen, um, that is really unforeseen. And I feel like there's a few people plugging away. I mean, if there's anybody that's like the Sun Ra of, of mm-hmm. MMA media, it would be like Robin Black, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who's the Chet Baker? Who's the Chet Baker yeah. of MMA media? So, well, <laughs> we're talking to the man in the hat, right? So, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, so I guess I'm just wondering, uh, you know, even in uh, we just sort of asked about sort of the future of the sport. I, I'm also just interested in parallel about sort of the, the future of MMA media and and, and the coverage and sort of the the breadth or the spectrum do you believe possible there of say over the next say five years which I feel like is a, a, there's an interesting sort of uh, point that we've arrived at here yeah no I, I, I fully get what you're saying uh, and it does feel like to me too uh, that the thing starts to pull apart at the seams it starts to change it starts to morph into something else and they, I guess maybe the essential vibe you know of what was what was happening is starting to become something different. I know, I know what you're saying because uh, I thought, honestly, and I, I say this, there, you know, I say this as a member of the MMA beat. And I'm all, I, I talk to people all the time who like they miss the MMA beat. I think that the reason that that worked is you took, we all kind of came from different areas of the sport, of coverage for the sport, right? But we all kind of were good at something specifically, which, you know, Ariel was already established as a kind of guy who, uh, you know, he had the MMA hour rolling. He was interviewing guys. He was at the events. He was giving, you know, he's breaking news. So he's like, he is kind of like a Bob Costas or a, uh, you know, a Howard Cosell type, right, in the sport. Um, Luke was kind of a guy who I almost felt like was more of a, a rogue figure who uh, started uh, putting it you know, nicely. Bloody, I, yeah, yeah, like bloody, bloody elbow. And, you know, he was... He was doing this stuff, but he, I thought, in my mind, man, nobody articulated kind of a fighter's plight or, like, even uh, analysis 
better than him. Like he, to me, he was like this guy who could speak right down to the layman, but give you a sense, uh, a very profound sense of what was going on with the fight, like a technique or um, situationally within the promotion, things like that. Very, right. very good. He's a radio guy. Like he, he's, uh, he's like the the most well spoken in the in the game in that sense. And me, I was kind of like a you know the writer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like I was the guy who was only interested in. I didn't really want those guys' jobs. What I wanted to do was communicate through the written word. And uh, you know, and then Jeff was kind of like an elder statesman who's been around the journalism side of things for so long that uh, you know he he had an instant respect. And he had been there for some of the earlier you know some of the earlier happenings and. He, and I think that that was kind of a valuable asset to that show. But anyway, you put all that together, and it was kind of like it, it to me, in my mind. I, I'm glad to hear somebody else say it, but it, it like reached a crescendo of like these are the guys who you know this distillation of um, people who came together to to break down the fight game from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, that weren't you know part of the promotion. That weren't like you know fighters themselves, or weren't these. So we kind of represented the the thing you're talking about. I think like the vibe of uh, the, the essence that was kind of going on, and it was still underground. Obviously, like it was, um, you know, it hadn't got to where it's going, where it's at now. It was like it was still building. A lot of what you're talking about is like, you know, a lot of what our discussion would be about is the pursuit of the mainstream things or the pursuit of like, is it even possible to be mainstream? A lot of the, you know, subtext was centered on those types of ideas mm-hmm. because nobody knew. And I think that the journey, it was still so much about the journey at that point that, uh, you know, it became, that became, that became the thing you're talking about. Like if you're talking about, you know, where jazz was in the fifties or something, it's like, it was still part of the journey and it felt like it was at the, at the greatest part. And you're only imagine, you know, it's it, the warmth is still in place. Everything is still, everybody's still warm in their hands, you know, to that, to that sound and everything. It's kind of like that, you know, and, but you get to this point now and I, I can't tell, to be honest, man, I really don't know if it's beneficial or not, but I will say there is a negativity <laughs> that's attached to the way things go. There is a way I, I always thought like early on with MMA coverage, and within the promotion itself, for, for, for better or for worse, a lot of people thought they were in it together. I felt like the UFC kind of saw it as like, hey, we're in this, we're in this with the media. We're in the media thought we're in this with the UFC and any, any promotion other than that, pride, it didn't matter. It had a sense of we're trying to build a sport. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, a journalist is lying if they say that they weren't feeling that, like that there was a part of, that they were part of the construction of the sport, part of its scaffolding, you know what I mean? 100%. And so you get to this point now, and it's it's built, it's made it, you know, Dana White's cashed in for what, almost $400, $400 million, the Fertitas are out of the, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. out of the game at least from the spotlight, you know, with a, with a, truckload of money and right. you've got that you've got entertainment people who run the industry and uh <laughs> on and on it goes and it does start to warp into something else now i don't know how it'll play out but right now it feels like as separate like in terms of the media and everything else as separate as i've ever felt it while covering the sport it used to feel like there was a real camaraderie and there was a real respect towards um, everybody you know everybody in their mission i feel like now uh, you know, it gets into a, it gets into an area where certain guys are on their own thing now. Everybody's kind of uh, everybody's doing their own thing, and I would say that they there's a lot of infighting now. Like you know, guys, yeah, they just don't like each other <laughs> within uh-huh. the sport. 
And uh, I guess it's natural to an extent, but that's kind of where it's at, man. That, that vibe, that essential vibe that was early on that everybody was in it together is no more. And it's really just a, it's a, it's a process of figuring out, you know, where this new thing is all headed and, and how people will feel about each other as this thing advances. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's another, I mean, like you're, you're pointing out something that I think there's like a perfect, a perfect like parallel to um, the way that you like this, this might go back to your, your days with your uh, old alt weekly that, you know, that like when, when a, 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 an area is trying to like build a rock scene or trying to build an art scene or anything like that, you know, the, the, there's a, there's a opportunity for journalism to, to get in there and provide coverage and provide critical perspectives and provide context and all that stuff and help a scene to like grow and prosper. And then at some point, you know, I think the whole, um, the whole, uh, um, you know, relationship between those two things uh, does change over time because now there's no, you know, the once the fire is roaring, then there's no, there's all of a sudden then the the media's relationship to that thing is necessarily changes in a way, you know what I mean? Uh, and I yeah. think, so I, I feel like it's a period of transition sort of like, and like what, you know, I mean, one thing, I mean, you're, I think the athletic represents, you know, from our perspective, from the MMA perspective, the athletic res, re, you know, represents, you know, maybe it, partly this change of perspective of the media now has a different relationship to the sport than it used to have, but it's also indicative of a, of a trend that's happening throughout, you know, quote unquote print journalism, where it's like, we need to find ways to let people consume their stuff online. Cause that's the way they want it, but there still has to be some kind of uh, revenue generation going on. So can you tell us a little bit about how the model works for the athletic? So, you know, I, I think that we, we look at it a little bit like, you know, a subscription base is kind of an older idea, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, people used to subscribe, even, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in Denver, you subscribe to, right. you know, to the Denver Post. Yeah. You know, you subscribe to these things, nothing was free. Yeah, yeah. So I think to, people, that, people might yeah. not believe it, but like we used to have a, a guy used to stop by every Friday evening to collect for the paper <laughs> <laughs> when, I was, when we were yeah, getting the man. Detroit news. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of it's crazy how we've had this gap of, you know, free content and then there's still so much free content that it becomes unheard of for this particular generation and you know there's been a there has been a lot of blowback i guess mm-hmm. you know just since just since i started the athletic i hear about it a lot i'm sure the other guys do too people there's some people who dig their heels in and they're like you know man i'm not paying for this content well these are people then who don't really distinguish between what they're reading either you know yeah. um I think that that's basically what we're doing. We're saying this particular group, and I'm talking about the MMA group that the that the athletic hired, and including the boxing group and just and all the groups. But like, really, when I look at the <laughs> MMA group, I'm like, they they brought in a team that they thought was worthy of being behind a paywall, you know. And right. you would subscribe because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get people who are finally able to do the job that they were meant to be doing. I feel like that was kind of how they sold it to us that's exactly what we've been trying to do we wouldn't none of us would have been able to be uh you know writing the kinds of stories we're writing where we were you just couldn't it was right. too much part of the you know too much like you mentioned it was volume it was minutiae there was so much always that you were contending with you were not afforded time for a long form much less even a good feature right um so that's the assurance is hey there here's these people who hired specifically to you know, hit upon the essence of what we do best. Put it behind the paywall because that's then you're you're finally getting the you know the product the way it should be out there. And I feel like that's 
the, the, the athletic in general um, is trying to be the best sports writing destination you can find in any sport. So they put it behind the paywall. And I, I got to say, the reason I loved it and the reason I had already subscribed for, you know, like a year before I'd even talked to them about going over there's no, there are no ads, man. There are no pop-ups. It's just a very clean, elegant look. Uh, yes. The writing is, very, yeah, editing. They're, they're, it's it's like old school journalism <laughs> in the sense, or in the sense that there are actual people editing. Right. <laughs> Actually, you know, there are people at the top who believe in the writing and things like that. I'm like that. Th- those sort of things were already very evident to me before I even went to the athletic. And you know, by the time they form, formed this team, I felt very ready to join something like that. If yeah. nothing else, man, because you lose it within yourself to to believe it's possible anymore, man. Right. And, you know, you work at places so long where you feel like it's just what you what you grew up thinking was uh, your goal was yeah. being pulled apart in so many different ways, man. And you were compromising in so yes. many different ways. You know, it just, it starts to feel, it started to feel very bad. But, you know, the athletic came along and they made it, they kind of restored it. <laughs> they yeah, kind of awesome. restored my faith in the way it should work. So the subscription base is really just kind of going back to that idea, you know? Right on. And not having the ads, and uh, that's that's kind of, I prefer it, to be honest. I know it's uh, it seems weird because uh, you have to pay, but I mean, it's like a very small amount, really, man. Yeah. It's like, it's not very much money to pay to get that content. So uh, I, I really like it, and I think, it'll, I think it'll only get stronger as it goes. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, like like you said, there's certain people that are just not going to be able to distinguish uh, between <laughs> between the value of what you're offering and not, and so fine. Like, a lot of people, man. It's yeah. more people than you realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but here's the thing, you know, is it's, it's like uh, uh, the – so – I feel like, the, and we talked, I mentioned to you that like I, that I had been to this uh, journalist conference and that somebody from The Athletic was there, um, and there were a lot of other people there too, but there was this thread that ran through the whole um, sort of seminar, whatever it was, I don't know, I just got asked to speak at a thing, and, um, and I'm, I'm not even a journalist, but I just do vaguely journalistic things, I suppose, but anyway, um, yeah. but the point was, everybody, without even necessarily really planning it, uh, and you know nobody knew what anybody else was going to be presenting on in terms of speakers, but this narrative that this through line that sort of happened that was so profound to me was really based in sort of the 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 essence of this problem uh, and solution and uh, weighing in on 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 uh, sort of. The, how do we come back from the 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 you know free everything and expectations on that level and then being able to come back to a quality uh experience providing uh kind of kind of mentality and then ultimately you know one of the things that i was you know pointing out was that you know people i think have gotten to this point where just because of instagram and a lot of this you know short attention span media um you know, people feel like, well, you know, I would love to tell that longer story, but it really needs to fit into this, uh, you know, like Marshall McLuhan would be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so, so I guess, uh, at the end of the day, the way that the, the, the human brain works and the way that we function as people best and how we relate to ourselves and the world around us is through rich storytelling. And so the, you know, the reason why the people still have, you know, um, the point that I was making was people were so concerned about Instagram, but nobody's pointing out that also people are binge watching 14 hours of a show on Netflix in two days. 
right? Which yeah. were, that wasn't even humanly possible um, know, until exactly. fairly, right? So, so what that tells me is that the, the power of story uh, and the compulsion to consume and experience those stories is actually growing. So I think that The Athletic has done a really smart thing. And, and again, I, you know, the, the website and everything, you're spot on, you know, like even just little things uh, in the UI that I think are such nice touches. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a nerd for that kind of stuff, but it's like, <laughs> I appreciate it. But the idea that, you know, that, that you know, articles will be sort of dimmed after you've, you've read them and it kind of incentivizes right. you to sort of keep pressing through the site. You know, there's just so many little subtle things about the craft of the way that it's presented, the way that the actual, uh, the, that the content actually sits and, and everything. It really is something special. So I hope that, uh, I hope that that continues to grow. And honestly, like anything that, if you have a smaller, uh, but much more deeply devoted audience that finds value in what you're doing and is predisposed to seek value in it because they're paying for it, then I think that that's a smarter place to be. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%, man. And I think that they, you know, obviously the people who are, you know, kind of running this business, I think that they believe that. Um, and it's, it was pitched to me, you know, kind of the people the, the people running The Athletic, man, they, when when they were talking to all of us, they didn't have to sell the idea of, you know, kind of how passionate they were about that, you know, just kind of giving a good presentation, good, good storytelling, making it all about storytelling. They use that word a lot. And uh, I'm with you. I just, I think that, it's, and I feel like we're, we're figuring it out. You know, you're, you're figuring it out because you went so far one direction, you got to kind of backpedal a little bit and get back to where you, why you wanted to be in this thing. You know, why did you want to, uh, why did you want to cover the sport? Why did you want to write to begin with? What was the communication? It'd be like anything, you know, if you're a musician, why, you know, why did you start out? Why, you know, at some point maybe you get jaded along the way, but yes, it's, it's, it's kind of rediscovering, you know, why you started this process. So I feel like in some ways, and I, I've talked to Sean Alshadi and, and, and others, you know, and I think there's a lot of us, you know, it's almost like deprogramming from the way that you had to be the last few years. And then going back to the original kind of idea, which was, man, I just want to be able to write. I just want to be able to write these stories. And right. there, there's a, I, I know you guys had a Nancy Kidder on your, uh, on one of your shows, right? That's like right. The, uh, the professor. Yeah, yeah. She, she was, uh, she was talking a lot about A.J. Liebling, who I loved reading, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in Sweet Science is still one of my favorite combats, you know, sports. But I think it's probably the best, man, the best boxing book I've ever read. But, you know, there's a part at the toward the beginning, it might even be in the in the foreword or something like that. But he was talking about how this editor that he used to work with would, you know, his, his idea was uh that about writing was that the writer would be on one end and the editor would be on the other and the writer would be saying like, or no, the reader would, you know, the reader would be on the, the, the idea was that there was a cable between the writer mm. and the reader and that the basic communication was, I'm alive, can you feel it? And that the, re- the reader would be like, I'm alive too. And that the <laughs> astounding thing in between was just like, we're both alive. You know? <laughs> I feel like that that's kind of the, that's always been the thing, you know? And, I dare you to find any of that in the terrain of all the stuff, you know, the MMA fighting, MMA junk, you know, those types of things. It's just, they're not going that direction, but the athletic right. wants to. And that's I think cool. that that's kind of the, yeah, that that's, I'm telling you, man, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an awesome endeavor. And I, I fully believe like what you said, I fully believe that that's, uh, that there's a, a, a big, if not growing amount of people out there who, who, mm-hmm 
we'll, we'll want that. So that's kind of that's my idea on that. Yeah, right on. Well, you you mentioned Nancy, and and then you brought up uh, um, uh, Liebling's Sweet Science. I, I was thinking about both of those things just a second ago. You uh, earlier you talked about the Ghosts of Manila. There's Norman Mailer's book, The Fight. There's like all these amazing books that we associate with, like literally. The, the you know smartest people in the room will literally talk to you about the literature of boxing, even if they don't even yeah. care about boxing. That's how important this writing is. Is there or will there be uh, an equivalent in, in MMA? Has anyone written the great MMA book yet? <laughs> and or will you be the person to do that, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. If I'm if I'm being completely honest, and you know. I, There'd be nothing, uh, yeah. There's nothing in the world I'd want more than to write that book, man. I would love to write that book. I think I can write that book. I, uh, I almost feel like, to be honest, man, like guys like Joseph Mitchell and guys like AJ Liebling, they're, they almost feel like they're, they're like my spiritual akin, you know, down the line or something. Mm -hmm. Cause that's the, the, I love the idea of levity behind like the gravity, like that, the, that, that there's some kind of ascension in terms of the 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 author who's smiling behind it all you know he's that you're ta- you're writing about like these crazy subjects and the things that can be hysteria within the the times and all that stuff but yet you're you're at elevation you're tapping your foot you're yeah. you know and i believe that that's it within that within that idea is where great you know i i believe literature can <laughs> be achieved you know it's like within that Within that elevation, within that spot, that, like that kind of thinking, and I, um, I would love to be the guy who writes that. And I've, I've talked to, you know, I've, I've got, a, I've got an agent. I've got like, you know, I've, we've talked about this very thing. You know, writing kind of the, can, can somebody write the sweet science of today? I think it can be done, but it's obviously uh-huh. because, because of the way, you know, because of social media, because of the way the world is just different. Like it's just. You don't have to wait around to see what the newspaper man is saying the next day like you did in 1956. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. kind of like, it's so instant. There's so many different things. I think you got to approach, like, I think the spirit of something like that could, could uh, of that book, could exist. I think I could do that. Um, but I think you would have to approach it from a lot of different, you know, a lot of, a lot of things would have to be approached differently. But I would, I would certainly love to be the guy at some point who does this. I would like to do it soon, to be honest, uh, yeah. because... I feel like it doesn't. I feel like, you know, there's been some good, there've been good, there've been a couple of good books about MMA. Not great. There's nothing, there's been, there's never been a Norman Mailer uh, fight, mm-hmm. you know, the fight. There's yeah. nothing like that. Well, there's nothing that's going to give you that vibe. So uh, I feel like the the market is there. I feel like people would want it. And I do feel like I'm one of the guys who can get it done. So to, long story short, yes, I would like to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so here, what, just so you know, like what what we're hearing is that you're definitely going to do it, and, and it'll actually be yeah. done sooner than later. And you've already got a plan. <laughs> no, but but the thing the thing I guess I wonder about is like you know with that like you know we had Matthew Polly on uh, you know who wrote the the sort of def- yeah. definitive Bruce Lee you know um, uh, or awesome book. biography yeah. yeah and and you know. One of the things, whenever I see anybody going down a path like that, I always think, you know, uh, or even the same with maybe with documentary filmmakers that are, you know, on on a story for five years or something. You know, I, I just think about the amount of dedication and experience it takes to get something like that done in a way that, you know, you as the creator would even feel good about, much less anybody else, seems probably like a really high wall to climb. But even further than that, I feel like that 
perhaps, and maybe I'm just assuming this for you, I'm just putting myself empathetically in your position and I'm trying to imagine what that would feel like to know, like, I've got the tools, I've got the proximity, I've got the experience, I've got everything right there. So what is left in terms of a challenge? And I feel like that the, probably the, the hardest thing to get past would be just this utter feeling of the, the, the weight of the responsibility that you would put on yourself to write that book. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> no very pressure. Perceptive. I think that, I think that's the hardest, the hardest part. And the, 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 why don't you start something like that at all? And I think that part of it is because you know the hell that you'll put yourself through mm-hmm. because of the standards you hold yourself up to to do something right. I'm not just going to write a book just to write a book. I could have done that many, many times. Like there's been, there have been plenty of times where people approach you wanting you to write about, you know, they want you to ghostwrite or they want you to do something. And you're like, it's not me. It's not me. If it's not like in the vein of something like a Liebling, you know, like where you're, you're, it's, it's a true writerly, you know, exercise where you're really yeah. giving a worldview through it and you're really putting all of that to page and you're, you're living up to everything you know is within yourself. Because honestly, I hold the book at the highest standard. I don't, I think of literature. I don't think of like, uh, you know, just selling a book. I don't think of Ronda Rousey's crazy run. You know, I, I think of <laughs> large scale communication that people in 30, 40, 50 years will look back and be like, wow, he was, you know, that was amazing. What, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that you, it was of the times, but it was of all times. And that's how I look <laughs> I at it. a book. So yeah, I, uh, I, because I know that, though, you're, you're dead on right, man. Why do you not just start? Why not just do it? Well, it's very difficult. <laughs> you know exactly what, you know exactly the kind of hell you're putting yourself through. Even on long forms, you know, I've done a couple of decently received long forms that have gotten, uh, you know, that, that, that people read, and I felt like I got a lot of good feedback. The reason that those things were distinguished, though, is because I put myself through that, you know, like just in a smaller form, but you're, you, I had to kind of go through hell to get them. You know, the Jason Thacker one uh, about uh, finding that, that guy in the uh, Vancouver area from the uh, original ultimate fighter. It's uh it took a lot, man. You know, it takes a lot. It's, it's a total expensive energy to, to put something together and to really kind of envision it and know how you're going to do it and then to execute it to the way that you know you can. You know, it's like it's it's one of those types of things. So uh, I say that like if I if I do put out a book, man, it won't be a cheap endeavor. And, it, and I think that that's what I I know about myself. I can't let some. I can't just pump out something that will, you know, be. I'm not, I can't just mail it in. It's just not. It's not in me. It, it, and if it's a book, obviously that that's going to require like fifty times the amount of energy and <laughs> strength that I've had to use in any particular article. So. That's that's the challenge, man. So yes, um, but ultimately, I got to say, you know, having said all of that, you know, just as this writerly brain, that you know, I'm a masochist, so I love that type of thing. So I was totally that's right. <laughs> so so you know, uh, when you were talking earlier about um, how the sort of collective kind of cause and vibe of the early developmental stages of MMA and MMA media was this feeling of uh, collective, like we're all pushing for the sport. We all want everything. We want everybody to win. We want everybody to be successful. Um, Do you feel like, so I guess from my perspective, uh, and I keep kind of coming back to this with you because I'm, I feel like this is like my a rarefied, a rarefied opportunity to sort of press people that are in this space to say, 
like I really want to you know know what's next because there's got to be more inroads to the you know if we're enlightening people to a path there has to be more more ways to do this and I feel like that uh, in some small part uh, you know in terms of our podcast being able to find that spot where it's like to, to be able to have a relational space or thought to say, you know, well, you know, fighting is really, you know, about creativity and it's about problem solving and it's about overcoming challenges. And it's not any different than you beating yourself up about the book that you're going to make really quickly and you're going to have to deal with the consequences, uh, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, making a record or, or you know, Joe, you know, Joe and I both sort of do a lot of different uh, things and have suffered across many mediums <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and have done it for a while, you know, and, but I feel like the in the space that we are sitting right now with with this podcast and sometimes we do a better job of it than others. I feel like this is going to be a very exemplary episode of what we're really trying to get at or this is sort of like the 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 North Star, really, because I think that. I, I don't. It doesn't go by me that that you understand what we're trying to do, and we understand what you're trying to do, and that there is this fascia or connective sort of piece between it. But what we're able to do from our sort of fringe is actually introduce. We're still kind of fighting for the sport, right? Like we want people that are just artists, uh, not concerned with any of this kind of stuff, just to find the beauty in it, and to find parallel in it, and to find inspiration in it, and to find uh, something that moves them. Uh, because that's all we, as creatives or artists or humans humans are all ever really trying to do anyway. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're dead on right, man. I mean, there's so much good about this sport and you, I think you identified a lot of those. I mean, it, there are, it, it, there are lessons in it. There are, you know, there are reflections in it. There are vicarious elements to it. Uh, there are, there's audacity to it. There's stuff that you're just, you're astounded by. Like the fact that, uh, you know, somebody like Conor McGregor can come in. I, you know, I, people get like disgusted to even hear his name at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but when you really think about what you know, like this firebrand from Ireland and how that works, it's fascinating. It's fascinating in the Malcolm Gladwell sense of like how did the, you know of trying to figure out how something beca- you know hits a tipping point so quickly or how 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 it uh how we react and why. Like, and you you kind of see the perfect storms as they happen. You see. You see, like, uh, sociological things within the sport, not just psychological things, but, like, you know, you see things where um, somebody's able to kind of get get famous quickly. So you you almost, like, you see their full tra- uh, trajectory from being a poor person to a rich person. I mean, how often can you actually see that, you know what I mean, and follow, <laughs> like, yeah. the, the whole the whole thing and how they handle it how somebody from uh that didn't come from money becomes money and somebody like him who becomes completely new money and how does that all punches an old man in the face (laughs) yeah (laughs) well it's it's ended for him in the way that uh i hoped it wouldn't (laughs) but uh but you know what i'm saying man there it's this is a this is a game and if you want to call like gsp is always saying it's not a game you know but uh it's a sport (laughs) that never coughs up its it never fully coughs up its charms, man. There are always right. reasons to love it, and let me tell you something, man. It, uh, there, are, there's more reason now than ever to have positive forces, you know, kind of coming in there and reinforcing this whole thing. Because the the bottom line is, man, there has been, I would say, like a, a lot of the original, you know, a lot of the original people involved in MMA. They kind of a lot of people get kind of jaded in the sport. They're here too long. Or a lot of the original media in the MMA, you know, they kind of, you know, they, they kind of, uh, 
they they almost take a, a negative tent, you know, like they become like negative in general towards mm-hmm. every everything that happens, everything that happens. And, you know, that's, that's the thing that, I don't know, man, it's tough. You don't want it to, it's, it's not a fair representation to just be completely negative in the sport. I know that the temptations are there, there are corruptions in place and all that stuff, but it's not, negativity is really not the essential vibe of this sport. So yeah, it's awesome when people are coming in and they're spreading like kind of the artistic side of it again. They're talking about the artistic side of it. They're talking about all the kind of life affirming things that kind of go on <laughs> in the sport and all the vicarious thrills that can be had. I'm I'm all about that. I think the sport needs more of that, to be honest, man. Well, I I think that um, I, I nobody's more believable than you because you just came. This optimism is profound for a person that just came from Mexico City, getting uh, covered in beer and uh, popcorn uh, for yep. the uh, sort of uh, calamity that ensued there. Um, and, and actually, like kind of where we started, you know, I, I had I had tweeted at you uh, like in the middle of those fights. And, uh, and I, I was like, and then it wasn't long after, um, but it was right before the main event. And then when that whole thing broke out, there was actually this weird dark part of me that I was like, I wonder if like, that's the last, like Chuck's response to me on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) the last thing he ever wrote. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, No, I saw, I saw that. I saw that. I thought it was funny, man. It was like, it was funny that it kind of played out the way it did there. Yeah. But, uh, well, hey, so, you know, we appreciate your time and we'd love to do it again. And we'd love to also be sort of a a thorn in your side about uh, getting this book done because we're not going to let you walk away from that or procrastinate that. Like, we're going to be all over you about it uh, to the point where you're going to write it just out of haste (laughs) uh, just to get us off of your back. Um, See, I like that. I like that. (laughs) But but, but really, like, uh, I just, you know, I really, there's very few things I like in this world. I'm very much a curmudgeon and uh, and subject to this sort of probably the negativity that you're talking about. But, man, I just really love and appreciate your work so much. And it's it's connected with me a lot over time and been a part of my uh, gateway to to the entire sort of uh, experience of being in this uh this world uh and then how to more broadly relate it to to my life or things that are perhaps unrelated and you're probably in 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 part also uh certainly i think part of the spectrum of inspiration that helped us get this podcast started it's really in the spirit of a lot of the things that you're just living and practicing and so uh, just really, really deeply appreciate your work, and uh, and I just can't say that enough. And then uh, now Joe's going to come on and also compliment you, and then we'll. we'll and, and the, and then, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank but, you so much, brother. I appreciate that. Honestly, that's uh, it's cool. I, I I've been digging the uh, been digging the pod, man, and uh, you know I'll help spread word for you guys too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chuck. So uh, the next time you come to Nashville, we'll have to we'll we'll know about yes. that. We will have you come and actually sit here and talk on the mic with us, so we don't have to do this crazy, uh, you know. Um, uh, phone call business and then we yeah. will go out and we'll have craft cocktails in some place where we can be totally surrounded by reclaimed barn wood <laughs> well i'll tell you what man that sounds awesome to me i wish i would have uh put that together the last time i was out there but hey anytime i can get incentive to go back to nashville man uh yeah. I, you don't have to twist my arm I, i'm ready <laughs> All right. Hey, well, uh, thanks a lot, Chuck, and, and uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you. And, uh, and you know, again, you know, get some rest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've got a book to write, so. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we're we're going to be at your doorstep tomorrow like with, like, Rocky music playing. All right. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Chuck. Thanks so much, man. All right, guys. Take care, man.
Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.